Well, how many of you have ever had anything unfair happen to you? Ever, ever been there maybe this week? Um, yeah, it's, it's part of life. You know, kids are always like, well, that's not fair. What do parents always say? Life's not fair, kid. Get used to it, right? <laughs> Builds character, all that good stuff. Well, there was a guy that went to an auction, and they were, one of the things, it was an estate auction, one of the things they were auctioning was a parrot. And, you know, he loved pirates as a kid. He always wanted his own parrot to sit on his shoulder and all that. So he saw this parrot, so he started bidding on it. Well, the bidding kept going higher and higher, and he kind of got caught up, you know, in that, oh, I want this thing. So he bid way over what he wanted, but he ended up winning this parrot. And so as he's up there paying the auctioneer, he said, man, I really hope this parrot can talk. I don't want to pay all this money for a dumb parrot that can't talk. And he said, well, of course he can talk. Who do you think was bidding against you? So... Not fair, right? Well, you know, sometimes we have things in life that happen that aren't fair. You know, we're starting a new series this, this week. It's based on the book of Habakkuk. It really is a book in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, it's called Hope in the Dark. Now, when I was writing this, working on this message, I planned this like a month and a half ago. I didn't realize that my family would be going through a difficult time when I was preaching this. So uh, we all live this same thing out. We all have the And so... We all have times where we have trouble. We all have times where it seems like God's not doing something. Or maybe God's not doing what we think he should do. In the book of Habakkuk, it's in the Old Testament. Habakkuk was a minor prophet that lived about the same time as Jeremiah. And his whole book that he wrote is about three chapters. Now, when I say minor prophet, that doesn't mean he wasn't big enough to make the major leagues or anything like that. It means that his book is kind of small. And Habakkuk was unique because he didn't write to the people of Israel on behalf of God. Habakkuk's book is actually a, a dialogue between him and God. He represented the people of Israel to God. He was almost more of, of a priest in that way. And basically what Habakkuk was saying is, God, right now life's not fair. He lived in the, the nation of Judah. You know, Israel was split into two. He lived in Judah, and Judah was going downhill morally. <laughs> Sound familiar? Um, the people of Judah were charging interest to one another, which they weren't supposed to do. They were, they were Israelites oppressing other Israelites. There was violence everywhere. People were murdering one another. And so he lived about 600 years before Christ. And he was saying, God, life right now is not fair. Now, this teaching actually came from a book written by a man named Craig Rochelle. He's a pastor in Oklahoma. He wrote this book. Um, a young lady on his staff had been having a hard time having a baby. And um, she was working in his church. And she came in one day. She was really excited. said, oh, pastor, we're, we're pregnant. We're going to have a baby. A couple months later, she came in and she was sobbing and she had lost her baby. And so he wrote this book to her, but he kind of left it. He, he gave her the manuscript and he said, here, I feel like God wants you to read this. Well, about two years later, his daughter got really, really sick. And they couldn't find out what was going on. And he went and he pulled this out and he read it. And he said, what I thought I was writing for someone else is actually words for me. And so he published this book called Hope in the Dark. And so this is kind of based on that idea of sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes life is difficult, right? So what do we do? What do we do when it seems like life is not fair? Well, let's look at Habakkuk chapter 1. I give you that long intro so you can find the book in your Bible. It's also, if you have the YouVersion app, it's, the notes are in there. 
So look at what he says. Verse 1 basically says, I got a, I got a message from the Lord. And then in starting in verse 2, he says this, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or I cry out to you violence, but you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Destruction and violence are before me, and there is strife and conflict abounds. It's almost like Facebook, right? Um, Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. And so, he says, look around. God, look around at what's happening, and you're not, what? You're not answering. He said, I keep calling out, I keep asking you for help, and it seems like you're not doing anything. So Habakkuk had a couple of problems with God's justice, and he told God about it. First, it, he says that it didn't seem like God cared that wickedness was prospering. He didn't feel like God really cared that wickedness was on the rise. And I know we kind of look at that sometimes, and we think, well, that's almost like today, isn't it? It almost seems like, you know, we see all these new abortion laws that allow abortion right up to the time of birth. We see that there are riots going on. We see that people are, are being murdered left and right. And it seems like God doesn't do anything sometimes. But you know, this same thing has been going on for centuries. Psalm 73. It's going to be up here on the, on the screen for you. This is the New Living Translation. It says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats, I like that, have everything your hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut through the earth. <laughs> and so people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep my innocence for no reason? So even King David felt this way. And so he says, God, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. It doesn't seem like it. Now, he was upset that God wasn't punishing people right then who were acting wicked. You ever been there? You ever had someone in your life say, Lord, this would be a great time for the earth to open up like it did in the Old Testament, you know? Yeah, yeah. It'd be a great time to smite someone, you know, swallow them and their whole family, maybe their extended family, you know, just, you know, or lightning, you know, but... And sometimes we see this. We see human trafficking. We see all these things that, that make us righteously angry. Not just people calling us names, but it's stuff that really makes us righteously upset. And it seems like God has taken a while to do it. You know, we, we trust that God will answer one of these days. We trust, you know, we know at the end of time everyone's going to be judged. But, you know, sometimes we say right now would be great, you know. Right now, a lightning bolt or you know, fleas from a camel, you know, something would be great in their life right now. So he was upset that God didn't seem to care. And then he, he said God didn't seem to act when wickedness was prospering. It didn't seem like God was doing anything about it. He said, you know, people are being oppressed, people are being wronged, and it, it just seems like you're not doing anything about it. And you know, Habakkuk's problem was that he was wanting God to act one way, and God wasn't acting that way. 
How many of you know that God's ideas are bigger than ours? How many of you know that, you know, we might want God to strike them dead, or, you know, at least crippled or something, you know, or get rid of their cat or their dog or something, you know, some kind of punishment, but God has other ways. Maybe God's waiting because he wants them to repent. Maybe God has given them grace, the same grace that we received when we were acting this way. So he was looking at one way, but God was acting another, and then when God did act, his other problem, when God did act, it didn't seem like his actions were really fair. It didn't seem like his actions were really fair. How many of you like sitcoms on TV? Anybody? You know, like, you know, the Andy Griffith Show, Dick Van Dyke, you know, modern one, you know, Home Improvement, Friends, any of those shows. Why do we like those little half-hour shows? It's, you know, there's... Normal life, then there's a problem, then a problem's wrapped up in half an hour plus commercials, and you're done, right? We like that idea. How do you know life isn't always like that, though? Life isn't always wrapped up like this. You know, and a lot of us, we want one of those sitcom lives. We want a fairy tale life. You know, Lord, when a problem comes, it'd be really great if you would just solve it, and then we get back to normal. Or maybe like Job, you know, we get back to normal plus some extra. But, you know, life doesn't always happen that way because that's not always God's idea. That's not always God's plan. And so when this happens, when problems come, how do we respond? You know, this is chapter 1 of Habakkuk. We're going to read a little bit more here. But basically he's saying, God, I don't understand. And then we would think, you know, in chapter 2, God would come back and say, okay, yeah, I know, but here's why. But how many of you know it's not always like that? You know, this life that we live, this Christian journey that we're on, it's a process. It comes by faith. We don't always see results right away. We know we will, but it's not always right away, is it? And some of you are kind of nodding with me because you say, I've been there. <laughs> I've seen this. I've seen this in life, you know. And then, you know, we have problems. And then you get well-meaning people that come along, and what do they say? They give you a little cliche sometimes. Well, you know, things always work, work together. You know, just, just hold on. Life will get better. And we know they're true, but sometimes it's not what you want to hear, is it? Sometimes you're saying, you know, uh, I could have read that on Facebook, you know. I'll just give me a hug instead. And so we understand that people are there and they want to help, but sometimes life just doesn't work the way we think it should. So God does answer. Look in verse 6. We'll start in, um, we'll start in verse 5 here. The Lord answers him. He says this, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe even if you were told. I'm sorry, I'm reading a different translation. <laughs> I'm reading some of your days you wouldn't believe in if you're told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings that aren't their own. They're a feared and dreaded people. They're a law to themselves, and they promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. <laughs> Is that the answer he wanted? No. 
He's saying, Lord, you need to deal with this stuff that's going on in Israel and Judah. You need to deal with the injustice. You need to deal with the violence. You need to deal with these people that are, you know, taking things for their own. And God said, I'm going to. I'm going to send in the Babylonians to destroy all of you. <laughs> and Habakkuk said, well, wait, what? That, that's not what I was asking. <laughs> so God said, it's not going to be popular. It's not going to be popular. He's going to act, and he's going to act soon. So God's action was coming. He's going to act soon, and his action was going to be fair. What had God been telling the people of Israel since they came into the promised land? If you love me, if you obey me, if you do life like I'm asking you to do, life is going to be great. But if you don't, judgment's coming. He'd been saying that for generations, and the people kind of forgot. So God said, all right, you've been asking me to act, I'm going to act, and it's not really going to be what you want. You know, God does this sometimes in our lives, doesn't he? We say, God, I could really use some help financially, and God provides us a second job. Wait, no, that's not what I was asking. <laughs> you know, I really wanted to just win the lottery or have an aunt that I didn't know die and leave me a lot of money, you know. Sometimes we say, Lord, I, I want to get close to you. I want to get stronger in my faith, and God sends us a trial. We say, that's really not what I was asking for. You know, I was asking for the magic wand, and my faith was stronger. So God was going to act, and his action was going to be fair, but it wasn't going to be popular. It wasn't going to be popular. See, a lot of times we try to tell God what to do. This is how you should do this, and, you know, this would be great. Habakkuk was saying, Lord, I want you to answer. I, I don't understand why life is going this way. And God said, I am going to answer. But it's not necessarily what you want, but it's what you need. And I wish I could tell you that this sermon is kind of one of those sitcom sermons where I have a great answer at the end. I do, but it's not yet. <laughs> but we're getting there. So sometimes, guys, life is not fair. Sometimes life's not easy. But you know what? In the midst of it, we can still have faith. And that's what Habakkuk did. He still had faith. So what are our options? What are our options when life isn't fair? Well, we can wrestle with God. We can wrestle with Him. We can talk to Him. We can tell Him how we feel. You know, Habakkuk here was saying, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand. And it's okay to question God. It's okay to question why He does things. This is a quote from the book <clears throat> Craig Rochelle wrote, A committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. A believer can wrestle with questions and still have legitimate faith in God. So guys, it's okay. Have you read the Psalms? You know what about two-thirds of the Psalms are? David's saying, God, I don't understand. Lord, I don't know why this is going on, but I still believe. God, I don't understand why these things are happening today. I don't understand why this is happening, but I am still going to trust you because I know you're still good. About two-thirds of the Psalms say this. The book of Jeremiah, who wrote at the same time as Habakkuk, the majority of his book is saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. Lamentations that Jeremiah wrote after the Babylonians came in, the, almost the entire book was saying, God, I'm hurting right now. I don't understand this. 
So, you know, I wish I could be one of those preachers that comes up and says, you know, as soon as you're a Christian, everything's going to be better. It will, but not all the time. It's not always going to feel that way. We know in the end it's going to be great, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be awesome. But sometimes in the midst, it's a little bit tough. But you know what? In the midst is when our relationship with God can grow. In the midst of those tough times is when we can really grow our relationship with God. Amid the tensions of faith and doubt. <clears throat> so guys, this is where the Christian life has really lived. It's, it's this tension between faith and doubt. You know what, God, I know that you're good, and I love you, and I thank you for forgiveness. But right now, I'm really struggling because I don't understand why this is happening. And in that tension, that's when we grow. Psalm 37, listen to this. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness reward, your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Don't fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So guys, we can allow our faith to grow during these times. That's when real faith grows. Those of you that have been married a couple years, is marriage always easy? When did your marriage really get stronger? In the midst of trials, right? When you have nowhere to turn but to God and to one another to get through it. You know, we always, Amy and I, we love doing premarital counseling with couples that are going to get married. And we get a lot of these that come in there, and they're like, oh, I'm so in love. And I say, that's good. <laughs> Hold on to that. Because that feeling's going to go away for a while, you know. And they said, oh, no. And, you know, we, we give them a test. It's called the uh, uh, Prepare and Enrich Test. And it's, it's really fun because some of the questions in there say, everything I've learned about my spouse makes me love them more. <laughs> And when you get those, you kind of say, because eh. um, it's going to get, you know, their feet are going to stink. They're going to leave socks in the floor. You know, the bathroom is going to be a train wreck. You know, all those things. It's going to irritate you. And I try to tell them sometimes, you know, those little quirks that you love about your spouse now? When you've been married about five years, you're going to hate that. And they say, oh, no. <laughs> They'll come in a couple years later. This drives me crazy. Like I told you. But where does marriage get stronger? In those times. Because you're committed. Because it's love that's holding you together and not feelings. And guys, our relationship with God, you know, when we're first Christians, God answers prayers really fast, doesn't he? You ever notice that? A new Christian says, man, I prayed for a new car and one showed up in my driveway. God's building their faith. But then later on, God didn't seem to answer that this time. He does. He's just answering it differently. In these hard times, God never leaves us, but he's allowing us to grow. And that's what Habakkuk has seen here. He's saying, Lord, I don't understand. I see that you're going to act. I really don't understand why it's going to be this way. But listen to what James 1 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
Because you know the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So during these hard times, during these times when life doesn't seem fair, when God doesn't seem to be doing things the way we think he should, we can wrestle with him. We can be honest with him. On Wednesday nights, we've been doing a study through the book of Job. And Job is real honest with God. God, I don't understand why this is happening. Lord, I don't understand why this is happening this way. You know, I'd, I'd really just appreciate to be able to go to sleep and die and not deal with it anymore. He says that. But he never blamed God for doing wrong. But you can be honest with him. Guys, when you're going through a tough time, it's okay to come to God and say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. I've prayed lots of those prayers over the years. And I've never been smitten yet. Still here. Because God wants us to be honest with him. We know that God welcomes our doubts, our pains, our questions. And guys, it's better to ask God questions than to walk away from your faith. It's better to ask him questions and talk to him and walk through that and grow in your relationship than to quit because a lot of people... They get here to chapter 1 of Habakkuk, and they walk away. A lot of people get problems in their lives, and they quit. They walk away. How many of you have known someone who gave their heart to Christ, and they were loving it, they were going great, and then the first hard times, I don't get this. I thought this was going to be easy. <laughs> no, God never said it would be easy. In fact, he said the opposite. He said it's worth it. When we get to heaven, it's going to be great. And I would much rather walk through trials with God than walk through trials without God. I would much rather walk through hard times with Jesus walking with me than doing it on my own. And here's the thing. How many of you know that feelings change? You ever been there? So anytime you have a really, really great day, what can you expect the next day? Right? Valley. Whenever you're up on a mountain, you can expect there's a valley coming. Whenever you're in a valley, what can you expect? There'll be another mountain coming, right? We get that. And we know that in relationships. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I can't tell you how many kids I showed this chart. I drew a chart for them. They would come in, Pastor Rex, I don't get it. My girlfriend was like loving me, and then she was mad at me. I don't get it. I said, feelings. <laughs> I was showing this little chart. Right? It'll come back. It'll bounce back, you know. Um, so we have to understand that life is like that. A lot of people walk away from God in the valleys, but what we don't understand is in the valley is when our relationship with God grows. In the valley is when our relationship with our spouse grows. So it makes sense that it's the same way with God. When we are in this valley, that's when we grow. So what we can do is we can allow doubts and hard times and hardships move us closer to God, or we can allow it to move away. I found an incredible video I want to show you. This is, um, it's a skit guys video, but it's one of their serious ones. It's really good, so it meshes perfectly here. Have you ever thought about the cards that you've been dealt? Have you ever taken the time to examine your life as if it were a hand of cards? For many of you, you would look at the hand that you've been dealt and go, I, I've been given a great hand. I don't want to change a thing. And still there are others 
you would look at a few of your cards, and we would go, these are the hard and bitter cards. It's as if we would say, if I could just trade in these cards, my life would be so much better. But that's just it. You can't trade in the cards that you've been dealt. These are your cards, whether you like the way they feel or not. It's interesting. The people that we want validation from, people we want to like us, the people we want to impress, we hide these uglier cards behind the more noble, significant, prettier cards. These are the cards that we want people to see. These are the cards that we've based so much our identity on. It's human nature, I guess. But deep down, we know the cards that we've been dealt. There's no escape in it. It's who we are. We can't reshuffle the deck. We can't trade any of them in. It's in our DNA. It's in our makeup. The truth is, you are all in. But what if we stopped? What if we stopped and just took some time to look at the hands that we've been dealt? Is it coincidence or is it just life? Or is it God? The argument would be, why would an all-knowing, all-loving God give me this deck of cards? If He really loved me, why these cards? And these are the cards of pain, of chaos, of guilt, of hurts, of hang-ups, of habits. And amongst this deck, for some of you, there are some really cruel cards. Cards of rejection, depression, addiction, abuse, and the card that none of us can escape from. But if we were to stop and think back, oh, there are some great cards in this deck, like when you were a little kid and the first time that you made your dad laugh and he laughed so wholeheartedly, that was a great card. That was a great day. The first time you tied your shoes, your first kiss, when you graduated college and nobody said that you could do it, the first time that you used your gifts and talents and someone looked at you and you knew they meant it and said, you are good at this. And the first time you stood up for yourself, these are the pretty cards. These are the ones that we move to the front of the deck. It's a sad truth, but we really care what other people think of us. And these are the cards that we reuse. We relive. We reshuffle because we care for validation from other people. But what does God think? What if God were to take a look at all our cards? Which ones would he choose? More than likely, they would not be the prettier, significant cards, but they would be an array of both good and bad cards. So you see, he wants to use the most heart-wrenching cards as much as he wants to use the cards that have brought you peace and joy. Don't discount the fact that God wants to use the most difficult cards because these cards have brought blessings and they have given us the greatest learning lessons of life. To God, these aren't a bunch of good and bad cards. To God, they're just cards. And if we surrender, we can see the hand that we've been dealt. It can give God glory. It can remind us that it's not our story, but His story. And if we're really still, we can even catch a glimpse of heaven.
So the question is, aren't you tired of pretending to deal with your deck of cards? Aren't you wore out trying to hide behind some of the more glamorous cards? Doesn't it shortchange God with the story of our life? To Him, you have been given the greatest hand that you could ever imagine. And for me, I'm all in. I'll play the hand that I've been dealt. Isn't that true? And so here's what I want to ask this morning. Are you all in? Will you say, Lord, I'm going to take the good that you give me. I'm also going to take the bad, the things that hurt. And I'm going to serve you no matter what. Because we understand that the good is fun. It's good. But the bad, it's not fun, but it helps us grow. And sometimes we can look back and say, after that bad, after that difficulty, I really knew what God was doing. I look back and I can see that God used that time in my life. I love this quote. What if honestly acknowledging your doubts is the first step towards building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions opens the door for maturing knowledge of God's character? What if becoming closer to God Developing genuine intimacy with him requires you to bear what feels unbearable. To hear him through an ominous utterance, to trust him in the moment of doom, to embrace his strength when you're weak with a burden. What if it takes real pain to experience deep and abiding hope? That was from his book. So here's my question. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up. Can you honestly say, God, I'm all in? I'm going to serve you through the doubts. I'm going to serve you through the hardships. I'm going to trust you when life doesn't seem fair because I know that you're still good. So if you could stand this morning, if you're physically able, we're going to pray. Well, Lord, we come this morning and we thank you that you work in our lives for what's best. We know that Romans says all things work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And Lord, this morning we're talking about a hard thing when sometimes life doesn't seem fair, when sometimes we don't see your hand working in our lives the way we wish you would. But Lord, we come this morning, we just simply say, I trust you. I trust you to work through the good and I trust you to work through the hard, the difficult, the things that seem bad. We know that there's evil in the world. We know that there's also incredible good. And when we come here today to say, Lord, help us to serve you no matter what. Help us to walk through the hard times so that we can see the good on the other side. Help us to walk through the hard times so we can see you grow our faith.
Help us to see you work in our lives in the good and the hard. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor X, I've never taken that first step. I've never asked Jesus to forgive my sins. Or maybe at one point I had and I just walked away. I was going through a valley and I just said, I'm done. But I want to come back. I want to ask his forgiveness. I want to start this relationship with him. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right where you're at? this morning you say you know right now I'm in one of those valleys I'm in one of those dark places and I really don't know why but I just need help getting through this I just want God's strength to get through this valley if that's you would you slip your hand up right where you're at if you're this morning you say you know what I just want to say Lord I'm all in <laughs> right now I'm okay I know there's probably another valley coming, but I just want to tell you, I'm going to serve you no matter what. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? And I'm just going to, the good, the bad, the hard, the difficult, the easy, I want to serve you no matter what. I'm going to pray. If you raise your hand, you say, you know, right now I'm in a valley, and I just need someone to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to just take a step out and come up. Find a spot up here, and, and some of your church family will gather around you. Father, right now, I just pray for all these who are in a valley, who are in a difficulty. They might see why, they might not, but God, I pray that you give strength today. Lord, help us to serve you no matter what. Lord, we trust you to use the good in our lives. We trust you to use the hard, the difficult. But God, I pray that you would work through the good and through the bad in our lives. And Lord, we commit ourselves to you, to serve you no matter what. Valley, would you just step up and allow someone to come up and pray for you? If you see some people up here and you're comfortable doing it, would you just come up and lay a hand on their shoulder? 